the pew in front of you, we have inserted a new uh, attendance card, per se. It's one that you use a QR code to go to fill out an online attendance. We encourage you to take your, your phone out, use the camera mode, scan the appropriate QR code for a member or a visitor, and, and be sure to fill out that attendance uh, form online. If you're joining us online, you will find the same link on the Watch Live page. And we'd just love, love to have a record of your attendance today and also wanted to uh, draw your attention to the new cards in the, in, on the back of the pews because they don't flop around or fall out or get grabbed by kids anymore. They are attached. So please do not pull them off. With that being said, it's an honor to be here today because we are going to recognize and honor 17 seniors in our graduating class this year. 17 seniors. Yeah, it's going to be a, a long service, so get ready. No, um, but at the close of our time of, of worship this morning, our elders are going to bring those seniors up here and pray for each one of them. So we encourage you uh, to be present, to stick around for that, uh, because it's a great day to honor these young people as they celebrate uh, an incredible achievement that they will be uh, completing later this month. And since we are honoring our seniors today, I felt it appropriate for this lesson to be directed specifically to them. Now, it will simultaneously be appropriate and beneficial for everyone present, but I really wanted to speak to our 17 seniors today. Because graduation time is a time of transition. The transition may not come immediately, but once high school graduation is a significant stepping stone in what we consider the transition from adolescence to adulthood. In particular... The transition centers around this, that you are now actively engaged in the final transition from dependence to independence. What I mean is that when you were born, you were fully dependent on others to take care of your needs. You couldn't walk, somebody had to carry you. You couldn't eat or really find food for yourself, someone had to provide it for you. You couldn't clean yourself up after you made a mess. Someone had to do that for you. I know this because I'm still currently in that state where I'm taking care of a dependent like that. And now, you've discovered great freedom. You've discovered great independence. No longer does someone have to carry you around. And RJ, I'm sure your parents are glad about that because you're bigger than both of them. And no longer do you have to have somebody feed you. Well, they still probably have to buy it for you, and some parents' pocketbooks are ready for some of you to get out of the house so they don't have to pay for it nearly as much. But you don't have that level of dependence any longer. You are discovering your independence, and it's going to be in the not-so-distant future that you're going to be able to function completely without your parents or some other adults helping you. You're in that final transition from dependence to independence. And it's a wonderful thing, but it comes with its challenges. And the greatest challenge you're going to face during this time of transition is the challenge to your faith. Because when you start entering this period of true independence, your faith must be your own. 
You know how I know that? I know that because it's what David had to go through. David's greatest achievement, the defeat of Goliath, occurred when he was about the age of our graduating seniors. Now, we don't know the exact age of David when he faced Goliath, but we can make some inferences. For instance, you can go to Numbers chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 1, and you can look at verse 3, and it's there when Moses is ordered to take a census of the nation of Israel. He's instructed to number those men who are, of the, who are 20 years of age because they were the ones who were able to go to war. Those younger than 20 were not enlisted in the Israelite military. And we know that when David defeated Goliath, he was apparently not yet enlisted in the Israelite army because while his three eldest brothers followed Saul into battle, implying that they were of military age, he was still responsible for taking care of his dad's sheep back in Bethlehem. And not only that, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33, when David volunteers to fight Goliath and he goes and stands before Saul, Saul looks at him and says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. Based on those statements, it seems that David would still be what we call an adolescent. And David's success over Goliath that day led to all kinds of accolades in his youth. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, you'll find out in verse 3 that Jonathan, it's verse 4 actually, but Jonathan the prince hands over his clothes and hands over his weapons and now David is decorated in not only the, the, the clothing of a prince but the weaponry of a, of a prince. Then you can look at verse 5 and you can see that Saul the king takes David this youth, and puts him in charge of the military. And then in verse 6 and 7, we find out that the women of Israel go out into the streets and sing the praises of David. Now, Davis, wouldn't you like that? To have the ladies singing your praises as you walk down the street? Oh, they might already do that, right? David's receiving every accolade possible, and he's still only a teenager. And right now, for our graduating seniors, that's kind of where you're at. We recognize this great achievement that is your high school graduation, and we celebrate you at this time. And this, this next month, with, with, from starting with what we're doing now, running through your actual graduation and the things your family does for you, we're going to be celebrating you. Because it's a great achievement. A great achievement in your youth. You are very similar to David right now. But this time of celebration is not going to last forever. Following that spiritual and social high of defeating Goliath, David quickly, quickly found himself at an all-time low. His life entered a downward spiral as he fled from Saul as a fugitive. And it was during this period of his life that David's faith was put to the ultimate test. I like the way one author described the test. He said, it is as if God begins to pull the crutches from beneath David one by one. 
as if to show whether or not David's faith can stand on its own. What do crutches do? Physically speaking, crutches support us when we physically are not strong enough to support ourselves. But metaphorically, crutches are anything that serves as a temporary and often inappropriate support, supplement, or substitute. You see, crutches can be a good thing, but they can also be an incredibly detrimental thing. In the context of David's life, it is as if God is removing those people and those positions and those opportunities on which David has come to depend for his faith. And it appears that God is doing this so that David can learn to depend solely on him. And I believe that's a lesson you need to be prepared to take with you as you transition into this next phase of your life. Depend solely on him. Let me show you the crutches that David loses in the next two chapters of his life. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 19, we're just two chapters removed from Goliath's defeat. And I want you to see the crutches that David's going to lose over the next period of his life. It starts... 1 Samuel chapter 19, with the loss of his role. David's going to lose his role, his position, his job, if you will. Now, one of the neat things about David is that, that uh, at this point in his career, he's got two political assignments. Two royal assignments would be a better way to say that. He was the royal musician who played for King Saul whenever King Saul needed to be calmed or soothed because of that spirit that came upon him. And he was a chief military officer. We mentioned that already. He was appointed to that position after he defeated Goliath. And David was successful as military commander, but his success always aroused the ire of King Saul. So one night after David executed a successful military campaign against the Philistines, Saul decided that he must be eliminated from the political landscape. So read in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 8 through 10 with me. There was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. Why are you just sitting around the house with a spear in your hand, Saul? That seems problematic in and of itself. And David was playing the liar. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Now, for the record, this is not the first time Saul had attempted to pin David to the wall with a spear. If you go back into 1 Samuel chapter 18, you look at verse 10 and 11, you'll find out that Saul had attempted this same thing twice had twice attempted to pin David to the wall, but still kept him around, still kept him enlisted as military commander, still used him as royal musician. But it's like three strikes and you're out. After this third attempt on David's life, Saul decided David ain't coming back in here anymore. David may have decided that for himself too. 
after this attempt on his life, David never served as chief musician again. After this attempt on his life, David never got to lead a military campaign under the rulership of King Saul again. After this night, David lost the roles for which he had come to understand his identity. And I believe that's the first crutch that got pulled out from underneath him. See, I want you to think about it, seniors. As you prepare for the next phase of your life, you're going to find some of your roles will disappear. Maybe your role as an athlete or a performer ends with high school, and you'll no longer be participating in that sport or that band or that chorus to which you've been committed these past several years. Maybe your role as a student comes to an end, and you have to figure out what you're going to do to make an income and survive in this world on your own. Maybe your role as a member of this youth group comes to an end. And you'll have to discover your place in the larger church environment. See, roles change. Roles disappear. You may not have the same roles anymore. And when that crutch, when that support system is gone, to where will you go? As for David, he went home. And that's the second thing David lost. The second crutch David lost was his family. Now, one of the benefits of killing Goliath was that David got to marry into Saul's family. That was a reward Saul had announced for whoever slew Goliath. Now, David refused to marry Saul's eldest daughter, but he accepted the invitation to marry his youngest daughter, who was named Michal. And we're told that she loved David back in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 20. But Saul used David's engagement to his daughter as an opportunity to potentially bring about David's demise at the hands of the Philistines. Because her bride price required David to execute 100 Philistines. And we are specifically told that Saul ordered this because he wanted to make David fall by the hands of the Philistines. What a great father-in-law. Although, I might have to use that as my daughter's age and men approach her. Them. David delivered on the bride price, though, and, and Saul gave his daughter to be David's wife. And 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 28 and 29 tells us that when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, his, his daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David, so Saul was David's enemy continually. Now, this is before he lost his job. But now, on the night that Saul attempted to assassinate David, where should David initially retreat but home to his loving wife? He gets home, and when his wife learns of her father's murderous attempt on David's life, she helps David escape from their house, which was being watched by Saul's people. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11 through 14. Then Saul, excuse me, Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him, that they might kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, told him, if you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window, and he fled away and escaped. Michal took an image 
and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothes. And when Saul sent messengers to David, she said, he is sick. But just a little while later, just a little while later, her love for David is going to be tested and it's going to fail. It turns out that she loved her own life more than she loved her husband. So pick up the reading in verse 15 and see what happens. Then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in, in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers came in, behold, the image was in the bed with the pillow of goat's hair at its head. Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me? And let my enemy go, so that he has escaped. And she answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? She just told a lie. She helped him escape because she loved him, but when confronted by her own father, knowing his anger and knowing the consequences that he might inflict upon her, she lied and said that, oh, I was the victim. So she lied to her father and pretended to be the victim in order to protect herself. In that moment, David lost his wife because her relationship to Saul proved too dangerous for David to return. And ultimately, he discovered that she could not be trusted. Never again would the two of them live in harmony. Seniors, as you prepare for the next phase of your life, as, as you go through this time of transition, you may also find your relationship with your family, particularly your parents. You may find that it changes. If it hasn't happened already, at some point in the future, your parents won't be making all your decisions for you. And you're going to have to choose whether or not you go to worship. You're going to have to determine whether or not the people you're hanging out with are a good influence on your life. You're going to have to decide for yourself whether or not the activities in which you engage are pleasing to God. And when this crutch, when, when this support system is gone, to where will you go? Let's consider David's third crutch that he's going to lose. I refer to it as his mentor. See, when David couldn't go home, it was a no-brainer where he should go. He should go to the safest guy in the whole nation. So if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 18, you'll see that David fled and escaped and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him and he and Samuel went and lived at Naoth. Samuel's the guy that anointed him to be the next king. Samuel's the guy that Saul still respects and that Saul still looks up to. Saul's not going to cross Samuel, or so David thinks. And Samuel was a trustworthy companion. Samuel didn't let anybody know where David was, but one of Saul's men leaked the whereabouts to King Saul of David and Samuel. So Saul sent soldiers to capture David in verse 19. But God intervened for David's protection by causing all of those soldiers to begin prophesying uncontrollably in verse 20 and 21. When his soldiers couldn't do it, Saul then went there himself to capture David, and he too began to prophesy according to verses 23 and 24. In the meantime, David managed to escape the city according to chapter 20 and verse 1. The unfortunate thing here is that David's efforts to be protected by Samuel were thwarted. And returning to Samuel would be too risky moving forward 
So in that moment, David lost his mentor. This was the last recorded interaction between Samuel and David in Scripture. And just a few chapters later, in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 1, Samuel passed away while David was still on the run from Saul. Seniors, as you prepare for the next phase of life, your relationship to your mentors may change. It's quite possible that the direction of your life is going to take you away from those men and those women who have inspired you, who have taught you, who have equipped you. It's quite possible that you may have to face the world without their consistent protection and support. Maybe it's a teacher or a counselor or a coach. Maybe it's a minister or a member of the church. But now you may have to deal with the challenges of life without their guidance, without their wisdom, without their insight. When that crutch is gone, when that support system is gone, to where will you go? For David, it was to his best friend. Immediately after fleeing Naoth, David went to meet Jonathan, Saul's son. David's immediate question for Jonathan, according to 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 1, was, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? Now Jonathan's surprised. The last he heard was that his father was going to let David live thanks to his persuasive argument back in 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 6. But David knew death was knocking at the door and he had to help his friend see his father in a new light. Certainly David's emotional turmoil was evident to Jonathan as the anointed king begged the current prince to investigate the matter further. Listen to David's words in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 3. Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, do not let Jonathan know this lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan, out of love for his friend, investigated the matter and it proved David to be correct. Saul did want David dead, and David and Jonathan realized that this meant they could no longer see each other. No longer would these two friends be able to enjoy one another's company. It simply was too dangerous for them to, to interact ever again. And the overwhelming emotion of having to say goodbye to their best friend is evident in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 41 and 42. David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And David rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. They'd never see each other again according to Scripture. Now David has lost his role, his family, his mentor, and his best friend. Seniors, as you prepare for the next phase of life, you may also find that some of your current friendships will fade away. Your life may take you in a different direction than some of your closest confidants. 
And you're not going to have some of the people in your life that you've depended on for support and sympathy these past few years. And you're going to have to figure out how to survive without them. And when this crutch, when, th- when this support system is gone, to where will you go? See, when David lost his, his job, his wife, his mentor, and his best friend, he retreated to a cave. It's called the Cave of Adullam, recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. And if we skip over to the book of Psalms, to Psalm chapter 142, we're given a prayer which begins with the superscription, a masculine of David when he was in the cave. A prayer. This was a prayer that David prayed when he was stuck all alone in the cave of Adullam because he had lost every crutch that he's depended on in his life. And here's what he prayed, Psalm chapter 142. I cry out to the Lord with my voice, with my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I want you to notice that when David's life was falling apart because he lost all of his support systems, his faith was put to the test. But David passed that test, and do you know why? It's because while he was in the cave of Adullam, he came to the conclusion that even though all support systems had failed him, God was still his refuge. His test of faith led him to the realization that all he really needed was God. And I believe that's ultimately the reason he is identified as a man after God's own heart. Because throughout the Bible, The ultimate thing that God wants us to understand is that we don't need crutches. We just need Him. And that's why David's son, the wisest man to ever live, wrote these words in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, that we began with in our scripture reading. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, for fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I believe those words summarize what David learned during that incredibly difficult phase of his life when he lost every crutch. And I believe, if you'll heed the words of Proverbs chapter 3, you'll never need crutches again. This morning, as we prepare to honor our graduating seniors, I challenge you with Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. You're entering a phase of your life where you're going to have a lot of independence. You've got to decide now 
whether or not you're going to trust Him to guide your way. I know I've been speaking directly to our seniors today. That's only 17 people among this audience of nearly 500. So what about you? Just because you're not graduating doesn't mean you haven't been using some crutches. Just because you're not graduating doesn't mean that you haven't trusted the Lord the way you should. Just because you're not graduating doesn't mean you don't need to respond today. Today we offer the Lord's invitation as we always do, and it may be that it's time for you to put your trust solely in Him. It's time for you to be completely dependent on Him again. Maybe it's time for you to turn your sin over to Him. You can find salvation today by confessing your faith that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God by repenting of your sins and by being immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe that's the decision you need to make. Maybe you're struggling with something in your life and, and, and you don't really know where to go or what to do next. Why don't you bring it to Him? Maybe you just need the prayers of this support system today. Why don't you bring that to Him? If you have any need to respond to today's invitation, then we invite you to come while together we stand and sing. I call three, 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 four.